Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. My soul is thirsty. My soul thirsts once again, Jesus. Lord, I declare this morning that I just want to know you better and better. I declare my love for you this morning, saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a brand new day. Thank you because this is the day that you made for us. You will cause us to rejoice and be glad in today. And so for the blessings of today, we say thank you. For the grace of coming into your presence, we say thank you. For the privilege to worship the Father, we say thank you. Be glorified forevermore. Lord, we worship you this morning as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the Lord of heaven's armies. We worship you as the God, the master of the universe, the one who reigns forevermore. We worship you as the one who is faithful, who is holy, who is righteous. Lord, none can be compared to you. We give you all the glory, precious Father. We give you all the glory, precious Father. We enter into your presence, knowing this morning that, Lord, we will bring you praise. We enter into your presence because we know by the blood we will worship you. Thank you, precious Father. In your presence, Lord, let our joy be full this morning. As we read the word, give us understanding, but let your name alone be glorified in our lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining into devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eye Nike. Yes, we continue our reading, our reading of the book of Jeremiah. Yes, gradually, uh, the book of Jeremiah is coming to a crescendo. Yes, um, everything that Jeremiah has been prophesying until now are about to start happening. And then we'll see the lessons to learn today. Yesterday, we stopped on chapters, chapters 35. Today, we take three chapters chapter 36 37 and 38 in chapter 36 okay jeremiah tries to you know reach jehoiakims so the book goes back again remember it was already prophesying to zedekiah so during jehoiakims reign we will read about the event of how jeremiah sends his secretary barak Barak to read the accounts, okay, the prophecies that God was giving him to the king, and how the king would tear everything that he wrote, he sent to him, tear it and throw them into the fire. And God will give him the message again okay, and literally dictate all the prophecy right from the time of Josiah. Okay, gives it again to the king a second time. What lessons can we take from that? We will know this morning, and then in chapter 37. We see the Zedekiah calls Jeremiah trying to find, you know, is there a way out of all of these prophecies? Okay, we'll see the lessons to learn there. Who does Zedekiah really, really fear? What God has said is going to happen that was clearly certain. If you are following everything that Jeremiah has been saying until now, 
or just what Zedekiah is afraid of. Okay, we'll see what lessons to learn there. And then in chapter 38, we will see Jeremiah, okay, um, meets Zedekiah again, and then um, it is uh, clear that Zedekiah is not able to protect him from his officials. You know, so the officials grab Jeremiah. They put him in prison at a time he's, you know, he's put in the cistern. And then, in my opinion, Zedekiah just comes across as a very weak king, okay? That people just tend to make decisions for him. All right, please get your Bible. Let's read together Jeremiah from chapter 36. This one is Barak reads the Lord's, the Lord's messages. So during the fourth year that Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king in Judah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Get a scroll and write down all my messages against Israel, Judah, and the other nations. Begin with the first message back in the days of Josiah and write down every message right up to the present. So I'm telling you only the Spirit of God could have done this because I don't know how sharp Jeremiah's memory is going to be. But for him to remember every single word that God gives him, okay? And you will see here that he had to do it twice. Okay, and we get the accounts correctly. It says, yes, right up to the present the present time. Verse 3, perhaps the people of Judah will repent when they hear again all the terrible things I have planned for them. Then I will be able to forgive their sins and wrongdoing. Remember that I said Jeremiah has been foretelling and foretelling. He has been living through his prophecies. So he has prophesied through all through the, prof- the period of Josiah. Okay, and I've been speaking to Josiah. He was the main number, the main reason why Josiah actually, you know, was a good king. Okay, because Josiah listened to him. And here are Josiah's, you know, children, starting with Jehoiakim, who was just not ready to listen to listen to Jeremiah. So God said, look, give him the message you have been prophesying from the days of Josiah until this present time. He said, maybe the people will hear and then they will repent. He says, then I will be able to forgive their sins and and wrongdoing. Verse 4 says, so Jeremiah sent Barak, son of Nerahiah, and as Jeremiah dictated all the prophecies that the Lord had given him. Barak wrote them on a scroll. Then Jeremiah said to Barak, I am a prisoner here and unable to go to the temple. So we know that during the period of Jehoiakim, okay, Jeremiah was thrown in prison. Okay, it's as simple as that. Jeremiah was kept in prison. So at this period, Jeremiah said, look, I am in prison here. You take everything I have given you. You go to the temple. Six says, so you go to the temple on the next day of fasting and read the messages from the Lord that I have had you write on this scroll. Read them so the people who are there from all over Judah will hear them. Perhaps even yet they will turn from their evil ways and ask the Lord's forgiveness before it's, it is too late. For the Lord has threatened them with his terrible anger. Hmm. Barak did as Jeremiah told him and read these messages from the Lord to the people at the temple. He did this on a day of sacred fasting. 
held in late autumn uh, during the fifth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, people from all over Judah had come to Jerusalem to attend the services at the temple on that day. Okay, so people were in the temple. It was a day of fasting. If you were on a day of fasting and then they give you a message from the Lord, what should have been your response? You see why the people, okay, you could not point them out as innocent, right? So it wasn't just the king, it wasn't just his officials that were just, you know, uh, disregarding the word of, of God. Yes, the people themselves had the messages directly. But they chose, even on their day of fasting, to say, no, we reject the word of God. Verse 10, since Barak read Jeremiah's words on the scroll to all the people, he stood in front of the temple room uh, the temple room of, of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, the secretary. This room was just off the upper, the upper courtyard of the temple near the new gate entrance when Mechahiah son of Gemariah and grandson of Shaphan had the messages from from the Lord he went down to the secretary's room in the palace where the administrative officials were meeting Elishama the secretary was there along with Delahiah son of Shemahiah Nathan son of Akbor, Gemariah son of Shaphan, Zedekiah son of Ananiah, and all the other officials. Okay, when Mechahiah told them about the messages Barak was reading to the people, uh, the officials sent Jehudai son of Netaniah, grandson of Shelemahiah, and great grand great-grandson of Cushai to ask Barak to come and read the messages uh, to them uh, to, to them too. So Barak took the scroll and went to them. Sit down and read the scroll to us, the official said. And Barak did as they requested. When they heard all the messages, they looked at one another in alarm. We must tell the king what we have heard, they said to Barak. But first, tell us how you got this messages did they come directly from jeremiah so that means that <laughs> they have an idea the words that have been coming from jeremiah so it even though Barak was the one you know reading the statement it was clear that look jeremiah was the one speaking okay so but these guys were uh if there's one word to describe them they were alarmed they were touched they knew that they were in trouble they were in trouble so they asked him are these words directly from Jeremiah? So Barak explained, Jeremiah dictated them and I wrote them down in ink, word for word on this scroll. So in that time, there were no papers. They write on scrolls. It is clear that obviously it would have been impossible. It was in prison for Jeremiah to or for Barak to have duplicated all of the writings. Okay, so he would have just gone with the one that Jeremiah dictated to him. Okay, let's go on. 19 says, You and Jeremiah should both hide. The officials told Barak, Don't tell anyone where you are. Then the officials left the scroll or safekeeping in the room of Elishama, the secretary, and went to tell the king what had happened. Hmm. The king sent Jehudai to get the scroll. Jehudai brought it from Elishama's room and read it to the king as all his officials stood by. It was late autumn, and the king was in a winterized part of the palace, sitting in front of a fire to keep warm. Each time Jehudai read, finished reading 
three or four columns, the king took a knife and cut off that section of the scroll. He then threw it into the fire section by section until the whole the old scroll was burned up. Okay, neither the king nor his attendants showed any sign of fear or repentance at what they heard. Even when uh, Nathan, uh, Delahaya, and Gemariah begged the king not to burn the, burn the scroll, he wouldn't listen. Okay, so the king felt that he was getting rid of the words of Jeremiah. Maybe if they burned them in the fire, they would not come to pass. But these are not the words of Jeremiah, these are messages directly from the Lord. Sadly, um, Jehoiakim did not say it like that. Verse 20 says, Then the king commanded his son, Jeremiah, Serahiah, son of Azrael, Azrael, and Shelemahiah, son of Abdil, to arrest Barak and Jeremiah. But the Lord had hidden them. Hmm? The Lord had hidden them. So someone will ask, How did the Lord hide them when they were the one that went to go and hide? So, the correct interpretation for that was that God did not allow them to find them where they were hiding. Okay, that would then be the correct interpretation. God did not allow those looking for them to be able to find them. Yes, that is what happens when God hides you. 27 says that after the king had burned the scroll on which Barak had written Jeremiah's word, the Lord gave Jer- Jeremiah another message. He said, Get another scroll and write everything again, just as you did on the on the scroll King Jehoiakim burned. Then say to the king, this is what the Lord says. You burned the scroll because it said the king of Babylon would destroy this land and empty it of people and animals. Now, uh, this is what the Lord says about King Jehoiakim of Judah. He will have no hairs to sit on the throne of David. His dead body will be thrown out to lie unburied, exposed to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him and his family and his attendants for their sins. I will pour out on them and all the people of Jerusalem and Judah all the disasters I promised, for they would not listen to my warnings. Okay, so and I'm telling you, I don't know how Barak took the message to the king. I would not have gone. <laughs> the message that said, <laughs> King Jehoiakim, you are going to die. Okay, like a dog on the street. And then your your son Jehoashin, okay, you will not have you will not have a an heir on the throne, okay. Those were very very strong words. But Jeremiah, I'm telling you, Jeremiah is just so just so bold. Jeremiah is just so bold. I'm telling you, ah, that guy was just so bold. Thirty two says that so Jeremiah took another scroll and dictated again to his secretary Barak. He wrote everything that had been that had been on the scroll King Jehoiakim had burned in the fire. Only this time, he added much more. Okay? So, he added much more because there were more words from God that God just spoke to him. Okay? Revealing what was going to happen to King King Jehoiakim. Alright, let's move on to chapter 37. Okay, so in chapter 37, Zedekiah will call for Jeremiah. 
Zedekiah calls for Jeremiah, tells you that there is a long period between chapter 36 and chapter 37. Okay, it means that the words that Jeremiah prophesied had come to pass. Jehoiakim has you know, been defeated by King Nebuchadnezzar, left on the street to die like a dog, his corpse thrown on the, on, the, on the street like a dog, and then his son, who should have ruled in his place, Jehoiakim, was captured okay, and, take, and taken to, to Babylon, where Jeremiah earlier had prophesied that he was not going to come back from there. Okay, so in chapter 37, this is Jeremiah's interaction with King Zedekiah, the person, the king, that Nebuchadnezzar installed in place of Jehoashim. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, succeeded Jehoashim, son of Jehoakim, as the king of Judah. He was appointed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. But neither King Zedekiah nor his attendants, nor the people who were left in the land, listened to what the Lord said through Jeremiah. So I don't know how you read the words of Jeremiah and not listen to him. I don't know how. Okay, so if you have a prophet where it is clear that the words that he keeps saying are mere empty words and they do not come to pass, there's nothing to fear from such a, from such a person. But when you have someone so accurate, right from the days of your father, Josiah, okay, up to uh, Jehoiaz and then Jehoiakim, okay, he has been so accurate, okay, where is the boldness coming from? Where is the boldness coming from? Is it that you feel he is making a mistake? Is it that you feel that these things are just happening on their own? They are happening by chance? Okay, but Zedekiah did not listen. He says, neither King Zedekiah nor his attendants. Okay, these attendants that surround the king, they didn't listen. They didn't listen. In fact, these ones will be worse than the ones that you have with Jehoiakim. Because these ones, yes, we take, they will try and take out Jeremiah. Maybe if we kill him, the word of God will die with him. He says, no, they, no, they did not listen to what the Lord said through Jeremiah. Nevertheless, King Zedekiah sent uh, Jehukal, son of Shelemahiah, and Zephaniah the priest, son of uh, Measiha, to ask Jer Jeremiah, please pray to the Lord our God for us. So Zephaniah the priest, son of Measiah, here, okay, maybe you might want to research because the writer of the book of uh, Zephaniah is called Zephaniah the son of Cushai. I'm sure you, you, if you remember in the last chapter, okay, uh, Cushai was mentioned or his great grandson was mentioned. Okay, so you might want to find out um, whether it's the same Zephaniah, but I don't think uh, it's the same because the book of Zephaniah actually prophesies about the period, okay, the period of King Josiah. So from King Josiah, we know we had King Jehoiaz, King Jehoiakim. However, it was a very short period, right? A lot of them did not did not live lead lead for a long time. So it is very possible that the son of Measiah here, okay, could could be the same could be the same Zephaniah, the writer of the book of of Zephaniah. Verse four says Jeremiah had not yet been in prison, so he could come and go among the people as he pleased. Remember he was imprisoned during the period of Jehoiakim. So I'm sure when um, the Babylonians came, defeated Jehoiakim, 
carried off Jehoashim, they released Jeremiah from prison and then installed Zedekiah. Okay, so at this period, Jeremiah had not been, been in prison, so he could come and go among the people as he pleased. At this time, the army of Pharaoh Ophrah of Egypt appeared at the southern border of Judah. When the Babylonian army heard about it, they withdrew from their siege of Jerusalem. Okay, so we know that the Babylonian army, having defeated or carried off Jehoashim, installed Zedekiah for the first three or four years. Zedekiah paid tribute you know, to Nebuchadnezzar, but at this period, he had rebelled, was now giving that money to Egypt, okay, to become their ally. So when Nebuchadnezzar came to lay siege, siege to Jerusalem, okay, um, the, the Egyptian army came. And um, Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to fight them, so they, they left. We read some of these prophecies earlier in the book of Jeremiah. So they left, and they, you know, they left, and of course there was joy. Yes, the Babylonians had gone, and Jeremiah had prophesied that uh, no, they don't think that you are already you are safe. These Babylonians that you see that left, they are still coming back. Okay, so he said at this time the army of Pharaoh Ophrah of Egypt appeared at the southern border of Judah when the Babylonian army had about it they withdrew from the siege of jerusalem then the lord gave this message to jeremiah this is what the lord the god of israel says the king of judah sent you to ask me what is going to happen tell him pharaoh's army is about to return to egypt though he came here to help you then uh, the babylonians will come back and capture this city and burn it uh, to the ground. This is what the Lord says. Do not fool yourselves into thinking that the Babylonians are gone for good. They aren't. Even if you were to destroy the entire Babylonian army, leaving only a handful of wounded survivors, they will still stagger from their... <laughs> this God is very funny. They will soon still stagger from their tent and burn this city to the ground. Wow. It says, uh, 11, when the Babylonian army left Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's approaching army, Jeremiah started to leave the city on his way to the territory of Benjamin to claim his share of the property among his relatives there. Remember that Jeremiah brought a property, right? One of the metaphors that God, or maybe the clear message God gave him, it was to buy that property, and it was supposed to be a prophecy that a time was going to come where people will buy and sell land again in the land of Israel, okay? So he wanted to go and see the property, and I'm sure you know how it is easy it was for them to you know, to set a trap for him, because he looked as if, because the Babylonians were about living now, okay, he, he feels that, oh, all the prophecy that I prophesied now is about to fail. Let me escape and join the Babylonians. Okay? Yes. So, Jeremiah started to leave the city on his way to the territories of Benjamin to claim his share of the property among his relatives there. But as he was walking through the Benjamin gate, a sentry arrested him and said, you are defecting to the Babylonians. The sentry making the arrest was Erijah, son of Shelemahiah, grandson of Ananiah. Of course, you know that all of these guys had fought. They fought Jeremiah before. Okay, so these were even now their children. That's not true. Jeremiah protested. I had not in. I had no intention of doing any such thing. But Erijah wouldn't listen, and he took Jeremiah before the officials. They were furious with Jeremiah and had him flogged and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary. Jonathan's house had been converted into a prison. Okay. 
So I can guarantee you that there is no way that Zedekiah did not know about this. Okay? There is no way he didn't know. They set a trap for Jeremiah and he fell into that trap. So they, they, had, they had converted Jonathan's house into a prison and then they, they dropped him into that prison. It says Jeremiah was put into a dungeon cell where he remained for many days. 17. Later, King Zedekiah secretly requested that Jeremiah come to the palace. Obviously, that's the, the only way he will come to the palace is for them to go and bring him out of the dungeon. The king knew he was there. So, requested that Jeremiah come to the palace where the king asked him, Do you have any messages from the Lord? Yes, I do, said Jeremiah. You will be defeated by the king of Babylon. <laughs> this guy was bold. I'm telling you, the guy. this guy is bold. He says you will be defeated by the king of Babylon. Then Jeremiah asked the king, What crime have I committed? What have I done against you, your attendant, or the people that I should be imprisoned like this? Where are your prophets now? Who told you the king of Babylon would not attack you or this land? Listen, my lord, the king, I beg you, don't send me back to the dungeon in the house of Jonathan, the secretary, for I will die there. So, 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 king Zedekiah commanded that Jeremiah not be returned to the dungeon. Instead, he was imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace. The king also commanded that Jeremiah be given a loaf of fresh bread every day as long as there was any left in the city. So, Jeremiah was put in the palace prison. And I'm telling you, Jeremiah's case would just continue to get worse and worse under king, under king Zedekiah. Alright, let's move on to chapter 38, where we will stop today. Uh, chapter 38, Jeremiah, from that prison, will be taken and dumped inside, inside a cistern. It says that now, uh, Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pasho, Jeukal, son of Shelemiah, and Pasho, son of Malkijah, had what Jeremiah had been telling the people. He had been saying, this is what the Lord says. Everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war, famine, or disease. But those who surrender to the Babylonians will live. Their reward will be life. Uh, they will live. The Lord also says, the city of Jerusalem will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon, who will capture it. So these officials went to the king and said, Sir, this man must die. What that kind of talk will undermine the morale of the few fighting men we have left, as well as that of all the people. This man is a traitor. King Zedekiah agreed. Can you imagine? The person that has been calling to talk to, to Jeremiah or even secretly agreed with them. All right, he said, do as you like. I can't, I can't stop you. And you are the king. You can't stop them. This guy. Let's go on. He says, so the officials took Jeremiah from his cell and lowered him by robes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Markija, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the, in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom, and Jeremiah sank down into it. But Ebed, Ebed Melech the Ethiopian, an important, an important court official, heard that Jeremiah was in the, in the cistern. At that time, the king was holding court at, at the Benjamin Gate. So Ebed Melech rushed from the palace to speak, to speak with him. My lord, the king, he said, these men have done a very evil thing in putting Jeremiah the prophet into the cistern. He will soon die of hunger for almost all the bread in the city is gone. So the king told Ebed, 
Obed, Obed Melech, I'll take 30 of my men with you and pull Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. I don't know how this guy is just flippant. He's here today, he's there tomorrow. Okay, but you were the one who agreed that they should kill him. Um, I don't know what I didn't realize. Okay, did he prefer them to have just killed the Jeremiah by the sword? Okay, because um, he's acting like he's shocked that he's, he finds out that they dropped him inside a cistern. 11 says, so Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room in the palace beneath the treasury where he found some old rags and discarded clothing. He carried them to the cistern and lowered them to Jeremiah on a rope. Ebed-Melech called down to Jeremiah. Put this rag under your armpit to protect you from the ropes. Then when Jeremiah was ready, they pulled him out. So Jeremiah was returned to the courtyard of the guard, the palace prison where he remained. And I'm telling you, that is exactly where Jeremiah would be when the Babylonians will eventually invade. Um, 14. King Zedekiah. On one day, King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah and had him brought to the third entrance of the Lord's temple. I want to ask you something, the king said, and don't try to hide the truth. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you can't take it. If I tell you the truth, you will kill me. And if I give you advice, you won't listen to, to me anyway. So King Zedekiah secretly promised him, as surely as the Lord our Creator lives, I will not kill you or hand you over to the men who want you dead. Then Jeremiah send, said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, if you surrender to the Babylonian of officer, you and your family will live, and the city will not be burned down. But if you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. It's not a, a question of, um, it's not, Jeremiah is not sure. Jeremiah is telling him what was going to happen. If you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. This city will be handed over to the Babylonians and they will burn it to the ground. Now listen, 19 says, But I am afraid to surrender, the king said, for the Babylonians may hand me over to the Jejeans, that's the Israelites, who had defected to them and who knows what they will do to me. So big lessons, big lesson here. Which one are you afraid? Okay, he is more afraid of what he thinks will happen compared to what God says is going to happen. So which one do you fear? What you think is going to happen or what, which one should you fear? What you think is going to happen or the specific thing that God is telling you is going to happen, especially considering that Jeremiah has been so accurate. Okay, so Jeremiah replied, verse 20, 20 Jeremiah replied you won't be handed over to them if you choose to obey the Lord your life will be spared and all will go well for you but if you refuse to surrender this is what the Lord has revealed to me all the women left in your palace will be brought out and given to the officers of the Babylonian army. Then the women will taunt you saying, what friends, what fine friends you have. They have betrayed and misled you. When, you, when your feet sank in the mud, they left you to your fate. All your wives and children will be led out to the Babylonians and will not escape. You will be seized by the king of Babylon and this city will be burned down. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, don't tell anyone you told me this or you will die. My officials may hear that I spoke that I spoke to you and they may, they may say 
tell us what you and the king were, were talking about. If you don't tell us, we will kill you. If this happens, just tell them. You begged me not to send you back to Jonathan's dungeon for fear you would die You would die there. Sure enough, it wasn't long before, before the king's officials came to Jeremiah and asked him why the king had called for him. But Jeremiah followed the king's instruction and they left without finding out the truth. No one had overheard the conversation between Jeremiah and the king and Jeremiah remained a prisoner in the courtyard of the guard until the day Jerusalem was captured. Wow. All right. So um, some big lessons I, I can take from our reading today. Zedekiah comes across to me as a very weak king. Okay. Um, so in, indecisive, double-minded. In fact, not double-minded, you know, triple-minded or quadruple-minded. Okay. He just could not make up, his, make up his mind. Who did he fear most? It seems as if the officials had so much powers under him. Who did he fear more? Uh, the officials or God? Who did he fear much? What was going to happen or what might happen or what God is saying will happen? And I think those are big lessons we should take take from our reading today. Second lesson I want to take from today's reading. I am amazed at, you know, Jeremiah standing before the king and telling the king, you know, to his face what God was telling him, even though he knew that, look, some of those words could lead to the king killing him. That takes boldness, right? So I want us to just pray today. Lord, give us boldness. Yes, give us boldness to speak for you. Hmm. I'm telling you, this one is so vital. Remember in Acts chapter 4 when the disciples were threatened, okay? They were threatened not to speak for God. And they went back to their own company and they prayed. And God gave them boldness. Yes, that's what I want. I'm asking us to pray to God for. Lord, give us boldness to speak for you. Give us boldness to live for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Two strong prayer points. Will you lift up your voice and begin to pray? The boldness to be able to speak for you. Father, give to us today in the mighty name of Jesus. The courage to be able to speak for you. Father, give to us today in the name of Jesus. We will not be double-minded. We will not be afraid. Father, give us the courage to speak on your behalf. The courage to live for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. Help us not to be weak in character. Help us to lead, to be role models, role models of Jesus Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just say thank you today. Father, we say thank you. As we go into a brand new day, Lord, we ask for the spirit of courage. We ask for boldness to speak and to testify for Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the glory. Lord, bless today for us. Let each one return with prophets. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.